This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Oh my gosh, he's back. I'm back in the house, Josh. Back in the house. For, and the real John Mills. Re- I heard some people trying to imitate me, but they couldn't do it. Oh yeah, no one can imitate imitate the real John Mills. But we are Acquired Tastings, and we are excited to have Dad back on another fun-filled episode of Acquired Tastings. And we are very happy to have you guys here as well, and sticking around with us for... Yes, we are. What was it? Four, was it four or five weeks that you were gone? Well, podcast. We, we edited ahead, so it's I was gone three weeks. Well, but how many pod so, you've been well, you've I been think gone? That was maybe four podcasts. Okay, so four podcasts, four weeks that our listeners haven't been able to hear your dulcet tones come across the the streaming of the internet, and we are happy to have you guys back with us again for a liquor week. And this week in the liquor week, we are going to be doing Italian liquors and. Dad, I'm going to let you tell both of them because these are both liquors that he brought back from his travels in Italy. So, you know, when you're in Italy, food is very, very important. And drink is very, very important. Atrophies and desertifeats or digestifeats. And so these are two digestifeats. One is called grappa, and it's made from the grapes of different wines and this one that i purchased was made from prosecco grapes so it ought to be very well it's not aged hey quit talking about my liquor so much i'm gonna have nothing to talk about all right uh uh, so grava di prosecco is what is one of the things we have what's the other one so the other one is called nocino since since you kind of did that i'll just kind of get into it a little bit later about what it is and the story that I have about it, especially from our trip. And so this is the Buenvenito Nocino. That's correct. So it's going to be really good. And so, Dad, we you're going to be doing the Nocino. So what are your pairings that you have with us for okay, us this week? Okay, my pairing. And see, these are digestifeats, so you really don't need pairings because it's supposed to be after the meal. But you can do light hors d'oeuvres. So what I have is I have some plain and chocolate hazelnuts. I have goat cheese that has truffles on top of the goat cheese. And then I have pancetta and I have sopresto salami. Okay, very good. And you've cooked up the you've cooked up the pancetta. You've kind of rendered it down a little bit. Right, that's right. I cooked it like you would cook bacon because when you you're over there when they say eggs and bacon, it's really pancetta. Yeah, that's right, and they cook it. Okay, cool. Yeah, because pancetta a little bit. <laughs> yeah, pancetta is not pancetta is like bacon. It's cured, but it's you have to cook it. I think it's to, actually the the pig. No, it's not the jowl. You're thinking of guanciale. That's right. I am. Pancetta is still the belly. Oh, it's just so done. Right. It's just done in a different process. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. A lot of people say it's Italian bacon. That's why sometimes when you see it in recipes, if you can't find pancetta, you can substitute bacon. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, and I'm I have the grappa di prosecco this week, and I'm flying a little blind because I've never had this grappa, and so I have just you had any grappa. I have had a few grappas before, but they haven't been really high quality grappa. And so from what I did for my pairings is since it is a digestif. I went ahead and had some desserts, some Italian desserts that I think would go well, and some of the few things that I was reading kind of match well with it. So I've got a, I've got a cannoli, 
I have a little tiramisu cup, and then I have some pistachio macarons. Now, where'd you where'd you get all these? Uh, Did you make them or (laughs) no? Everything here was purchased from Whole Foods. Actually, they look really good. Yeah, very authentic Italian. Whole Foods is one of those places that does they do desserts and some of that stuff really really well. So I thought it was gonna it was gonna be easy. Right. To kind of just pick it up and go, because, like I said, I've never had this Grava before. Okay. Well, before we jump into it, Dad, you've got to reveal the blind from last week. Dude. Yeah. Jordan uh, left it in an envelope for you. Help me find the envelope. Dude. All right. Well, all right. So, Dad has found the envelope that we kind of hit around. So, Dad, what what was the blind from last yeah, week? Yeah, I think Jordan really hit it well, Josh. Yeah, she <laughs> she did. So. This was, the blind was the New Providence Fallen Queen Belgium Wit Style Beer. Okay. Now, the big question is, what did you say it was? I said that it was some sort of wheat or kind of wit style because it was unfiltered. It was lemony. It was kind of yeasty. So, I, that's, that's what I called it. I did, I did say it was from Europe, though. I, did, I couldn't tell. I, I didn't know we could get a good American one. I thought, right. Well, this is American? Yeah, it's actually made up in Rogers. What? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, Rogers, Arkansas. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, they're really good. They have a the Fallen Queen and the Emperor King, I think is what it is. And it's the Emperor King is an Imperial IPA. Now, do we have to go up to Rogers to get it, or can you get it, like, local? At well, I mean, I drove, down, I drove down the street and got it from Sullivan's. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, that's just, that's. <laughs> If you if you don't know where we live, and I haven't ever told anybody on the podcast, Sullivan's is about uh, half a mile at most. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good little liquor store. They have a surprisingly good number of beers for their size because they're not they really they're not do. a huge they're not a huge store, but they have you know great people in there and really knowledgeable, and they have great beer and great whiskey selections too. That's right. That's right. Okay, all a good wine too. So we're going to be starting with the Grava di Prosecco. And just a reminder, as our snacks this week, we have a cannoli, we have a little tiramisu cup, and we have pistachio macarons. And as for order, honestly, it's a free-for-all. There's no real order to this. It's just a bunch of desserts that I think would go well with some with some grappa. So, Dad, why don't you tell us a little bit, kind of the story behind this grappa and how you picked it, where you picked it up. So... Before I do that, I'm going to tell the first story about grappa. I'd never had grappa until we got to Italy. And so what happened, there was a rooftop bar called the 87, it's actually the 87 Hotel, and on the rooftop was a bar. And so we had our drinks, and oh, by the way, Josh, I tried to order a Godfather two or three different times. And they look at me like I was from outer space. So our, we mu- our theory must be right that it's actually an American, Italian-American cocktail. Or it's in Sicily like you proposed at one point, too. Yeah, that could be the other thing. But anyway, I had a Negroni, and your mom had, uh, I think, a Prosecco, or maybe she had a Bellini. This was Any- in Rome? This is in Rome. Okay. First place we went on this rooftop bar. And so... As you well know, sometimes they bring you a dessert to feet, 
digest the feet. Sometimes they don't. So we're going up to the bar. He was really busy, and we're we're asking to pay. And there was another couple standing there, and they're like getting ready to walk away. And the bartender, which was really a great bartender, you don't tip, but I think we gave him a tip. Right. And he said, see this couple? They're from the northern part of Italy, and they want you to have some of this grappa. Oh, cool. Now, it wasn't their personal grappa. It was behind the bar grappa. Right. And so he pours us up like a shot glass of grappa. Mm Mm-hmm. And Joanna didn't know, we didn't know what to do. And You sit down and you should have known from my story I, what I, to do. I knew. And Joanne's going, I think, am I supposed to down this? And I go, no, Joanne, no, we're no, supposed no, to no, sip no, it. No. But see where we're standing at the bar. So we start sipping it and sipping it. And the, and the bartender goes, hey, where are you from? <laughs> we tell him Arkansas. Of course, he didn't know where that was. But he said, you n- must know about grappa. <laughs> <laughs> so we faked it pretty good. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they expect most Americans to just kind of come in and, you know, get get hammered. So back to where I bought it, we had grappa a couple other times, and I could tell lots of stories about grappa. Well, I'll tell a real quick one. I was going to say, that's what this whole thing's about, <laughs> is you sharing stories. So we, we went to Cinque Terre, and it's like five different villages at the end of a train stop. And a lot of people, Josh, a lot of people had their walking sticks. Oh, yeah, because you can actually walk along the coast between all five cities. That's right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I lo- love to do that. I think it's eight kilometers or more. Yeah, it's not very far. No. I mean, that's like six. It's like six to six, ten miles. I think six, six miles it would be eight kilometers. No, six miles would be ten kilometers. Oh, that's right. It would five k is five k is three and a half. So it's, anyway, it's not very long. So we stop at a place to eat, and it was called the Blue Marlin. And you know, Pepper Pepper is with us. He's our tour guide, and we had a great meal. And he says, "You know, I don't drink, but they really have good grappa here." <laughs> <laughs> okay so next thing you know i'm having a grappa and the waitress came over and there was a great picture of the waitress and myself okay and the grappa and i think you might have saw that on facebook yeah i saw it on mom's facebook but anyway this grappa i bought in florence once we got out of the tuscany area where uh, castle apache is i was afraid i wasn't going to be able to find it <laughs> Little did you know Little did that I that know, was you like, were going to the area where it was made later. But so I kind of walked around and went into this kind of a 7-Eleven kind of place. And I found the grappa and I bought it. It was 20 euro, which really, I don't think that's bad, but I saw it a lot cheaper. Yeah. Depending on what you bought. Right, and I mean, you did buy it from a gas station, so that's probably a little exactly bit bigger of a markup. But this is actually a really good grappa. I, so I went ahead and started while you were talking. Uh, grappa is actually a pretty unique uh, distillate or you know uh, liquor because it's not actually distilled from a liquid. No, it's actually distilled from what's called the mark or the puck of after making wine. So after you press wine. You have the grape skins, the seeds, the stems, everything that's left 
and it it's pressed into like it honestly looks like a really big hockey puck and there's still you can still distill that and a lot of times winemakers and wineries will sell their their puck or the must mm-hmm. to industrial alcohol makers because mm-hmm. they can make methane with it they can make lots mm-hmm. of mobile alcohol with it but up in northern italy where grava comes from mostly they actually learned a way to redistill it to actually get a clear liquor out of it and one of the re- one of the things that they do and they can't add water to it mm-hmm. by law it has to actually be made from this must or puck or mark and they use a ban marie distiller mm-hmm. so it's a ban marie is a double boiler mm-hmm. so it, it was really cool to see that that you know they they kind of let it ferment so that you have some of the fermentable and, dist- and distillable sugars and then they heat it over a basically a double boiler and have the either depending on who makes it then it goes into a column still or into a pot still to where it's you know it's distilled down and that's how it's made most of the time it is not aged in oak there are some people nowadays who are starting to age it a little bit but 90 i would say 99 probably 99.9 the percent percent of the grappa that you're going to see especially in the United States is clear. So, another grappa story. Yep. When we did go to northern Italy on our tour of the Baresco and Barolo wines, we stopped for lunch. Mhm. Same kind of story, Josh. We had a great lunch. The driver is in a hurry. He's going, you know, we're already we're already like an hour behind. Which is about on time for Italy. Well, <laughs> well, the next place was his winery. So okay. he wanted to spend more time at his winery than we had allowed after the longer lunch. Right. So we're paying up at the at the bar and they turn to us and they go, Would you like some grappa? <laughs> it's like uh no thank you so people (laughs) every time i tell my favorite italy story about my time people are like no oh they don't do that all the time i'm like well actually do see so they did not bring a tray of grappa or nocino to us it's like you're getting ready to pay Mm -hmm. and it's like would you like some grappa yeah but it's offered and then you know, I'm going yes, and Joanne's going no, and the driver's going no, we don't have time. And there was another couple, and he was saying no, and she was going yes. So <laughs> the answer was yes. So then he points up to the back of the bar, and it's like, well, we have this 2020 grappa, crystal clear. We have this 2018 grappa. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And here's this 2008 Grappa. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think I chose? The 2008. Well, heck yeah. Of course you did. <laughs> I mean, it's not as it's not as dark as the Nochino. Right. But it had some good color to mm-hmm. it, and it had some good, I guess it's neutral oak. You've, you've researched it. 
It doesn't really say because it's not as common. Now, being from the Barolo or Barbaresca region up there, you know, it would have been Grappa di Barolo or Grappa di Barbaresca Mm -hmm. or Grappa di Alba. And they probably would have just used old wine barrels to to sit it in. So it would have just been oak. That makes sense. It would have just been oak barrels. They probably stripped them and recharred them. And it was probably small barrels because they probably don't make enough to fill up the big big cast no or if they do they're doing like one right they're doing like one 55 gallon cast but it this is actually really good it smells of alcohol so the the smell of it kind of gets you but there's some there's some kind of fruitiness almost grapiness in the background of it now being from prosecco most of the grapes that are being used to to make this distillate are white grapes right so you do get that kind of fresh almost like flowery grape flavor, but there's a lot of alcohol like that. It really comes well, through what is on the, the nose. What is the alcohol on the bottle? It probably won't be listed. No, it's 50, no, 50 centimeters, uh, 40%. Right. So, I mean, it's like a bourbon, exactly. you know, but when you taste it, it's a lot more floral on the palate. You get that kind of grapey grape skin white grape skin it reminds it kind of reminded me of eating you know white grapes in the summer as a kid you know there's that refreshing kind of light floralness to it but it still has it you can still tell there's alcohol in it but it's really smooth i really enjoy it and then my first the first pairing i've had with it is the pistachio and the nuttiness of the pistachio goes extremely well with this grappa having that floral kind of the floraliness of the grappa it just it works really well with that nuttiness one of the things that i was i saw when i was researching this is like kind of like dad said these usually aren't with food they're usually right. your last thing that you're having sometimes maybe a cheese a heavier cheese sometimes what they'll do is you'll get a little bit of grappa and you pour it over gelato. And right. one of the things they said was pouring it over pistachio gelato. And I totally understand that with that nutty balance that it brings. The and I almost did this, but I've already done it as a as a pairing before, was sometimes grappa is used in a cafe correcto, where you have the espresso and you put in the alcohol mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. correct it. So I almost did that. Now, what podcast did you do that? You did that once before. That was, was it Salerno. I, so the pairing that I had was Salerno, but it was our orange liqueur episode. Yes, where I did but Salerno. This is the you same did, kind of thing. Yeah, it's exactly the same idea. Yeah, and my research too said uh, they get up in the morning. And they go, "Hmm, this coffee's not going to do it." So pour a little grappa in there. <laughs> yeah, wreck that coffee. Some get it to the point where you're okay. And now you got that ching, and now you can go to work. The other, th- the other thing with coffee that I've seen was the Italians actually drink their coffee pretty sweet a lot of the times. You know, in a two ounce espresso, sometimes they'll put you know two ounce, two sugar cubes in, which is you know two teaspoons or two tables, two teaspoons of, or no, two tablespoons of sugar, actually. And so a lot of times there's that little bit of sugar that's left, so mm-hmm. they'll take a couple drops of grappa. Put it in the glass, stir, you know, to get that sugar out mm-hmm. and just take mm-hmm. it all in one drink. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a really interesting liqueur. I, I was, I'm not going to lie. 
I was hesitant because the grappas I've had have been super hot. There's no nuance to them. They're just like alcohol, <laughs> like alcohol in a glass and not a whole lot else. This one you can tell is a little bit more artisanally made. I think so. Or definitely at least smaller batch made. Right. And it's quite good. Right. I think so too. So what did I you- mean, it, it, like you said, the alcohol's up there. And so there is a little bit of an alcohol burn with it. But then it, it goes down and, you know, contrary to probably popular belief, the dessert defeat, just defeat, is not going to burn a hole in your stomach to let that food out. It's supposed to just kind of get things mellowed out, get get the juices flowing, and this seems to do it quite well. Yeah. It finishes. Like, the finishing taste of it, honestly, is like eating wine grapes. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ever get a chance to go to, in wine travels, around harvest time, mm-hmm. and you get to... You actually get to try like the fresh juice or mm-hmm. even just some of those after pressed mm-hmm. grapes and skins. It acts like it tastes like wine grapes. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really, really good. Now, what else have you been eating on? Well, I I started with cream belay. Cannoli. Cannoli, I mean. And <laughs> it's <laughs> cream belay. That was last week, right? <laughs> the cannoli has a lot of chocolate with it. It's got those little chocolate chips at the end. If that pairs really well with this grapple. What do you think? You've tried it. Yeah, I think it's really good. One of the things I was reading about when it comes to tasting grappa is they say if you're tasting a lot of them, drink a little bit of milk between them oh. to refresh your palate. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that this cannoli does, having the, the mascarpone filling is you get that kind of milk that kind oh, of yeah. refreshes your palate right. out. But the chocolate goes really does go really well with this. It's like a semi sweet. It's not it's nothing too dark. And it it just it kind of livens up the grappa and the grappa lightens up the the cannoli cuz cannolis can be can be kind of heavy. Right. On with their filling and everything, but it's it's really good. So what other stories do you have from about Grappa or even just your trip in general? Well, the now you said seeds and stem, and I agree with what you said. But when we were on that wine tour, the driver had a two-hectare vineyard, and he corrected me. He said, no, you don't do the seeds and the stem. To prove his point, kind of. One of the wineries, the first winery we went to, was nine hectares, and they were pulling the the grape skins out, getting ready to take them to make grappa. And there were no seeds, no stems, nothing, just the the skins. Okay, yeah, because that's right. They do take that out because those produce methanol, which is poisonous right so the distillate is just the the skins and that little bit of leftover juice called the mark from from the winemaking process from the pressing but the more you the more you sip on this it seems like the better it gets (laughs) 
What do you think? Well, I mean, I mean it, it's really good. I think the food goes well with it. It is a definite sipper. I would probably not have more than one glass of this. Right. It does, you know, does start the digestion process. Right. But it's not something that I want. I don't think I'd want it every day. Definitely wouldn't want it. I don't think I'd really want more than one glass of it. It is very, very good. Right. But so like what, after a, after a really big meal where I'm feeling really full and I don't want dessert or I just want a little something, I could I could see drinking a little bit of this because it is light. It, it's easy to drink. Right. But it does have good flavor. So one of the things that I, I noticed is they call it not the grappa, but the, the dessert or the just feet is cut the fat. So probably somehow there's a mixture of this of this grappa and the fat that's in our stomach. And the Norwegians say it restores your confidence that you'll be able to eat again after that really big meal. Now, I don't know Norwegians to eat big meals like Italians. <laughs> right. But I get it, and it makes sense. Right, and... You know, these type of beverages, these after-dinner liquors, they're specifically designed for after-dinner or done after-dinner. They are really just a kind of a one-and-done thing. Mm-hmm. And they're not to have a whole bunch of. They are to kind of help you continue on if you're going to go do something else or go drink or go eat something else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're even served before dessert. That makes sense. Sometimes they, you can have your big meal. That's what we're doing right here. Then you have a little bit of this, and then you, and then when you're finished with this, you have, would have a dessert. Like maybe it would have a little cheese with it or something, as part of like a cheese course, free dessert course. This would be good with if I was like pairing this in a restaurant. If I was working with a chef who did like a dessert amuge, mm-hmm. a little amuge bouche on a dessert, mm-hmm. having just a really short pour of this as a pairing, I think would go really well and guide you into. Kind of guide you into a dessert frame, right? Because it does kind of, it doesn't like, like you said, it doesn't punch a hole in your stomach, but it does kind of wake your system up again after having big, heavy, heavy sorts of things. So in the United States, what do you drink for a aperitif or a dessert to feed? Vermouth, sherry. So in the in that the, kind of Maybe, maybe even Uzo, if you were you were Greek. Well, it there's nothing that's like an American distillate. No, that really kind of goes to it. And the American palate, if you the, would, yeah. The American eating, like eating flow, doesn't really kind of have place for these. Most people, it's coffee. So if you think about like the flow of a meal, right? Your last thing right. is usually a cup of coffee. A little cup of decaf coffee, something to start your digestion that just kind of is your signal well, that, you, that your meal is over. Even in Italy, they do the same thing. You know, they don't bring your check until you ask for it. But they see you're finished, and they'll come over, and they'll say, would you like some coffee? Coffee? And if you say no, uh, most of the time, they're just going to walk away. They're not going to necessarily offer anything else because that's 
typically the last thing unless it's one of these. The other thing is when I said that food is so important in Italy, it's like we got the appetizer. We got the first course. Or we got the salad course. And then we got the first meat course. And then we got the second meat course. Now, we didn't eat like that. But that's the way the menu is set up in Uh Italy. Yep. And then it's like, we got the dessert. We got the coffee. (laughs) You know, we got got the grappa. Yeah. And it's like, I think a lot of Italians, that's the way they eat. Yeah. And they eat late. And they're, but the other thing to think about is their portions aren't American portions. That's true, too. Their portions are much, much smaller when it comes to certain courses. So right. like your insalata or your antipasto, they're not very big. Right. And they kind of do guide you through the meal. Now, I was thinking about it. I think the only liquor that I would say is kind of, that's kind of been in the American, you know, restaurant, dining as of recent, or as of that I can think of, you know, it may have been port or sherry. Right. Now, way back when America was founding, it would have been Madeira. Okay. Madeira and port, you know, that's a very British, those are very things that were brought over by the mm-hmm. Brits. Now, there are other styles of restaurants that may have some other aquavits or things like this. Like you mentioned Uzo. You right. Know, we have grappa. Uzo, uh, there are some other, some other like nightcap, mm-hmm. nightcap kind of stuff. Brandy right. is sometimes used as a night, as a digestive, as a nightcap. Right. So what do you think of the tiramisu pairing? Oh, that was good. Yeah. That was real good. Now I'm going to struggle best on plate. Yeah. It had that mix of coffee and the coffee and the cream mm-hmm. worked really well together. But to me, it finishes a little bitter. Yeah, it did. More, it did more bitter than the other. Is it because of the sweetness and the maybe not sourness of the grappa, but that sweetness in the grappa caused maybe that that bitterness? I think it's the coffee. I think it's more the the coffee astringency, which kind of plays with that astringency in the in the liquor itself. All right, but these are these are really good liquors when you can find good ones. Um, I definitely suggest trying it. Uh, there are they're very regulated in, in the European Union. Um, they're not as regulated outside the European Union for like the use of the name grappa and what it actually means. Mm-hmm. So just be careful when it comes to like American grappas or Argentinian grappas. You may see some Argentinian or Chilean grappas. Because there's a lot of influx of Italian immigrants to those countries after okay. World War II, okay. so you may you may see some that there's also drunk. They're also drunk in South America a lot. Um, another liquor, if you're trying to think of ones that are kind of like this, pisco from Peru pisco. is is another digestif in kind of the same style that it's made from the musk or a mark okay. of a distillate. So there's a lot of them out there. But I really, you know, I really enjoy this one. You, you know. Next time I go to the liquor store, I'm going to have to look and see if there are any even in our liquor stores. I think there are going to be some. Yeah. There's definitely some because I'm pretty sure I had it here 
But you were first. saying it wasn't that good. Well, this was this was also a long time ago, and I couldn't tell you. I couldn't point out which one. I couldn't point out what it was. <laughs> well, maybe that was back in your Dave and yourself sweet days. It might. It it mm, could it have not sweet enough. It could have poss- It could have very much been back then, and I just and you know just the evolution of my palate. But I honestly do think that this one is of better quality than the one that I had before. Okay, okay. Because I don't remember any kind of grape, actual kind of grape note flavor okay. in it when I was tasting it. Well, are you about ready to switch over? Yeah, or? let's go ahead and, and switch on. So remind us what we're switching to and then what our pairings are. Okay, so it's uh, Norchino. It's, the brand name is Benvenuti. If I pronounce that right, wrong. And then my pairings, I have plain and chocolate hazelnuts. Now, there's a lot of story about hazelnuts in Italy, and we can get into that a little later. And then goat cheese with truffles. So I'll talk about the truffles. That's not something we have. In, they are in the United States, but they're not really in the Arkansas area. And then the pancetta and the suppressed salami. So I think that would be the order, the hazelnuts first, the cheese next, and the meat last. Okay. So the story on this is, Rusty and Pepper, who own Castle Apache, which is in the Tuscany area, they were great hosts, and I think they enjoyed us being there. We were their first guests since COVID. They toured with us pepper was a great tour guide for certain things and then rusty is so knowledgeable about history and so he was a tour guide uh, for florence well about the last i think it was the last night rusty brings out homemade norcino and so he tells us the story and so his story And you can look it up. There's different stories. But his story was on the 24th of June, before dew has dried, pick 12 green walnuts. Now, what I think of walnuts is you got that green outside husk, Mm -hmm. and then on the inside you have the hard nut. Yeah. Now, both of those will stain your skin or your clothes and you'll never get it out. So back to the, the drink itself. The first drink, the grappa, was crystal clear. This drink is dark as night. Is dark as night. And that's the darkness that you would have if you were messing with the walnuts. You would get it on your hands, and that darkness of night would be on your hands, staying there forever. Oh, okay. So the the dew has not dried off. You get the witch's power of the drink. Okay. So what he described is this June date has a lot of significance itself, and I'll talk more about that. But the June date is very particular because the walnut itself is very immature okay the nut part has not even developed 
So what you do is you take those that you've picked, you cut them. One report that I saw says you don't use a metal knife because oh. that would break the spell of the <laughs> witch's power. Okay. But you cut them up into pieces, you put them in a jar, you use, he used PGA. Pure grain alcohol? Right. Other reports say you can, you know, you can just use vodka. Right. You just want a neutral distillate. Exactly. And you shake the container every day for like 30 days. Do you have to sing a particular song? No, no it didn't be say outside, that. Every would, full moon, you got to spin around but, three times? Well, but you would think so. And you can add different spices to it to get more flavor. Now, have you? did you taste it? Uh-huh. Did you get the walnuts? I don't know a walnut taste because I don't really eat them. Okay. But I do get a nuttiness. Yeah. Like a spice nuttiness under Well, there. some people put cinnamon... Some people put coffee, mm-hmm. so you can get, you know, all kinds of conversions of, of the mixture, how you put this together. Part of the power, perhaps, is that John the Baptist, his religious significance is connected to the rebirth through water, and in many places, the day it's celebrated is June 24th. Which is St. John, which is St. John's Day. Exactly. Now, another report that I saw was you actually skinny up the tree on the night of the 23rd and you pick the walnuts and some reports say 30, some reports say it has to be an odd number, you know, whatever. You pick the walnuts, you put them back down on the ground and then you build a fire for all night to keep the witch away. So it's got all this. A lot of mystic story. A lot of mystics it. around it. It's almost voodoo. Well, it's very, probably more Wiccan than voodoo. But there there are a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of supernatural stuff that goes along with it. It's very, very good. Like you said, it is, it's black as night. It's as thick it's very viscous, so it's like viscous as a witch's, as a thick as a witch's robe, and you know this one has that nutty flavor to it, but there's also a lot of like there's a lot of depth and spice to it, and I get a lot of sweetness on the nose. Yes, that's that's what I was gonna say next. It is very it's sweet on the palate, and that, that's some of that viscosity on it. I heard you munching on I think the chocolate. So I've had both of the. Both of the hazelnuts with it, and the, I think the regular hazelnut goes, goes better, to me personally because your chocolate hazelnuts are like chocolate candied hazelnuts. Mm-hmm. So not only do they have chocolate on them, they have like a candy coating to them. Right, and that sweetness, and the chocolate kind of gets lost in, in this because it the the nonino has a lot of chocolate and coffee and like you said sweetness to it and so the hazelnut actually brings some extra the regular hazelnut just brings some extra nuttiness to it which is which is very nice which is very very nice so like this would be good with i think like poured like poured over like a hazelnut gelato or something or even just like a Mm -hmm. maybe even a hazelnut brittle 
Mm-hmm. But that may that may end up being too sweet. But it's very very good. It is thick and it reminds me of the same kind of consistency of Kahlua. Oh yeah. So it has that same kind of consistency. This one to me has some of that coffee espresso flavor yeah, to it. I get that. But the undertone of it is that kind of raw, raw, earthy, nutty, nutty kind of quality. So this company that uh, makes this particular one, they started and they started with a recipe from 1928. It's, it says the same thing, but they do a maceration of nine months. Wow. That's forever. <laughs> nine months is a very, very long time. So the last step that, that Rusty talked about is you make like a simple syrup, get the sugar content, which surprises me because this is this is pretty sweet. Yeah, it is. So add to that PGA that he was using. I don't know what percentage his was. I asked him when he was telling us the story, and he says, well, I'm not real sure. <laughs> but this one's 34%. It's not quite like yours was 40, the grappa. Yeah. But still, was. this is like, almost like bourbon. 40%. Uh, this is a little bit, this is quite a bit under bourbon. Bourbon's usually 40. 40 to it has 35. to be at minimum 80 proof so it has to be at minimum 40 okay, percent okay, that's right this is this is along the lines of liqueurs that we've had you know like the salerno the grand marnier mm-hmm. the the uh Kahlua, those sorts of things i even think that um the one you blinded me on the um agave liqueur oh, yeah. i think was around this percentage right. and you you do you get that with the liqueurs because they are sweeter and they have to have that kind of sugariness to go on. So that's going to lower your alcohol. That's true. Content because most of that sugar is added post distillation. Right. Or maceration like this is. Do you well, get any cinnamon or, or cloves? Or I do get, I do get some yeah. cinnamon, kind of, kind of some cinnamoniness. I don't really get any kind of clovey nutmeg, maybe some allspice in it. I mean, you have you tried the cheese? I have, and the cheese is very truffly, which is surprising because when they see it, the picture on Instagram, they'll see it's a big chunk of cheese, but the slice of truffle, there's only like seven thin slices. But this cheese is very porous, right? It's a soft cheese, and so I- it it has permeated very very well. I am not a huge, huge truffle fan. Nor am I. So, I don't really enjoy this pairing. Okay. I think the, I mean, truffle is so distinct in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So, it's hard to describe it any other way, but that really rich, earthy Mm -hmm. truffliness Mm -hmm. is fighting with this. Mm -hmm. It's like the truffle is the Spanish Inquisitor and this is the witch. And they're they're in battle. Yeah. They're in, they're in they're in battle with each other, and I think the witch is winning. Well, I do too. I mean, I think the witch wins out, but it's very, it's it's very much it's it's a discord in in a, in a pairing. Now, but I wanted to bring goat cheese to the party. 
Yeah. And so here's another part of our trip story. Alba is like Mecca. the world center for Italian truffles. Mostly white truffles, too. They have both, but you are correct. Mostly white truffles. Which are more rare. Which are more rare. And if, for the listener's sake, what is a truffle? A it's truffle, a shroom. Well, a truffle is a fungi. A mushroom. That grows underground and never sees the light of day. The truffles like hardwood forest. They like hazelnut, chestnut, oak, hardwood forest. The when we were there, it was the festival day. Saturday well both days. Saturday and Sunday were the festival. So they just they didn't plan this, by the way, everybody. They just happened to wander in to Alba on International Truffle Day. We did. That's right. Like it was just a total. It was a total accident that y'all just kind of were like, "Oh, hey, look, it's here." Hey, well, it's like, well, we're done with Venice. What are we going to do next? And our flight's not till Sunday, and we got four days. And Josh said, "You need to go to the northern part of Italy for Baresco and Barbarella." Well, I said what what I actually said was, Mom was like, "Well, what do we? What should we do?" I'm like. You are very close to northern Italy wine country. You should see how far Barbaresco and Barolo are away. I said, you're also very close to Prosecco, where they make Prosecco. And so they decided to go out to Alba, yeah, which, Prosecco, is the main, which is the main city. Prosecco is a different direction from Alba. So Alba was like northwest from Venice, and Prosecco was... Mostly east, slightly north. Prosecco would have been closer. The train ride from Venice to Alba changing one time, which is no big deal. And it was a fast train. What does a fast train mean? In the United States, we have no clue. But a fast (laughs) train in Italy is going to go up to about 200 kilometers an hour. Yep. That's 120 miles an hour. And trains in the United States go about 60, 66 miles an hour. Uh, 70. The yeah. one that derailed was going 75 in an 80 zone. Right. But they, they do, they, they travel about as fast as speed limits in the highway. Right. So not much faster than car would go. Right. Even though it might be direct. Okay. Back to the truffles. Like Josh said, we just stumbled in on it. And. What does a white truffle cost? Well, it costs whatever the market will bear. There's a very interesting documentary where they're selling white. Okay, everything's by the gram or by the kilogram. A kilogram is 2.2 pounds, but a kilogram of a white truffle could be up to $4,000. Mm-hmm. What we saw was 100 grams was 300 euros. And 300 euros is like $320. Yeah. It's, they are extremely expensive. Now. And what is it, what does it smell like? 
Joanne's comment <laughs> was, it smells Bean. like buttered dirt. Yep. These things grow white, in the dirt. White truffles do, yeah. Yeah, they, they grow in the dirt. Yeah. They're very, very potent as well. Truffles are one of those things you either like or you don't. Mm-hmm. There's rarely middle ground when it comes to truffles. Also, cooking note, white truffle oil does not have any truffle in it. Right. It is actually a perfume. It's made by like perfumers. Mm-hmm. So there, there's no actual truffle in white truffle oil. And it's usually so potent that it will take over anything that you use it in. Well, and I think that's what it doesn't really taste like truffle. Well, I think that's what happened to this cheese. So this cheese was like vacuum packed. What is it, Josh? That's where'd you uh, get, Where'd you get this cheese? It's about It's about four inches round. Alba. Oh, at the market. So this was about U.S. government. In- you didn't hear that. <laughs> I know. This is about four inches in circumference or uh, diameter, with about. Six little slivers of truffle, vacuum sealed. When I cut the vacuum off, it's like, woo, there's the truffles. Yeah. And it had sweated. So I think it sweated all the way through that cheese. Well, and that's what it's supposed to do. And that's and the thing about that. This that, cheese is, this cheese tastes like it's supposed to. Yeah. The goat cheese here, it's not like the goat cheese we talk about, like a chef goat cheese this is more of a pressed almost mozzarella it's mozzarella consistency cheese that has that truffle on it and for a truffle lover this would be great and who knows like if you love truffles if you like truffles you may really enjoy this pairing but for me and dad who don't i'm i'm getting warmed up to it i mean it does it's not a it's not a good pairing okay but if you love truffles, though, it might be. Yeah. Because the the truffles have like a very distinct earthy funkiness to them. And it could you know bring down this liquor a little bit. But I, I've moved on and had the pancetta and the soppressata. And there are lights out with it. The saltiness of the pancetta. pancetta just play really, really well with the sweetness of the nonino, oh, sorry, the nocino, not nonino. Nonino is um, like night or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and it it goes really it goes really really well. As far as back to the truffles, we did eat out one night, and they had white truffles to add to your pasta. Mm-hmm. So it was a thirty-four euro four course meal. Mm, that's not bad. You want to add truffles, white truffles? Add thirty more euro, and they they sliver it up. I'll they weren't show, they weren't to, stingy. I'll have to show you the picture, but they're you're getting like six gram. Yeah, thirty euro. But they they slice it so thin that it goes far. And I saw the picture of mom's pasta. They weren't stingy. No, they were not stingy with shaving the truffles on top. There were quite a. There was a lot of truffle on top of that pasta. Now, like Dad mentioned, and I'm going to say this so he could eat for a little bit, you know, truffles grow underground, so you can't just walk through the forest and see them and and forage for them. Hmm. You have to have an animal to forage them for you. Traditionally, it was pigs. They were trained trained pigs 
to smell the truffles and they would dig them out. They would start digging where the truffles would be and you'd get the pig out of the way and you would mm-hmm. for you would get the truffles. And now if you've ever known a pig or you know about pigs, you know that this can be problematic. Because A pigs can be mean and pigs eat everything. Mm-hmm. So one of the things in more recent times is they've trained the dogs mm-hmm. to find the scent and to search out the truffles for you. And it's one of the reasons that they are so expensive is because they're hard they're actually they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. They grow sporadically. Right. But when you find them, they're usually pretty big. Because they, they have to right. grow they have to grow enough for that scent to be able to translate to be found. Right. And then you have to be careful with your dog who has claws. Uh-huh. That's digging, that he doesn't claw into that truffle, because if he did, truffle is lo- now worthless. He has lost some of the value. Well, they wouldn't, they wouldn't take it. Mm-hmm. The the truffle market, you could sell it on the black market, sell it to a restaurant because they want to sliver it up to people that want to eat them. But for the true market, they go nope. There's a there's a great documentary, and you know this this guy has this great dog, and these people want to buy his dog, and they say, the people say, we'll give you a blank check, and the guy says, you have any kids? And they go, yeah. And it took like several different conversations, but finally the guy says, I'm gonna write a fifty thousand euro check for one of your kids. And the guys and they, and they go no 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 and he says well that's why I'm not going to sell my dog either <laughs> yeah especially if it's a truffle finding dog they that's are, what it was they are very they're very sought after because it is you know it's it's kind of hard to hard to find but so are you uh, are you ready for best on plate or do you have any more stories or I mean that that Nochino is amazing it is isn't it yeah. I think, so while you're pouring yourself a little bit more, I'm going to talk about some other pairings that I think would go well with this. With the grappa or the what? With the nochino. I think this would be a great Thanksgiving dessert drink. Yeah. I think it would go well with pecan pie. I think it'd go well with pumpkin pie. Anything that's not, I know pecan pie can be kind of sweet, but I think the nuttiness of the pecans would really go well. I think the... So would it go better than Seth's uh, wine that was? Ooh, no. <laughs> I don't think it would go better than that Jura. Okay. That floored Chardonnay. I think a coffee Correcto with this. Yeah. Yeah, a cafe, a, a cafe Correcto would be good with that. I also think, I think maybe some, oh man, I don't, um, there's a cookie I'm thinking of. I think that would go well with your pecan sandies at Christmas. Oh yeah, you know the the lighter sweetness. Something so if if you have sweetness, you just don't want too much of it. Mm-hmm. Which is why I was saying like pumpkin pie or pumpkin mm-hmm. custard. Mm-hmm. I think would go well, well with it. Now the grappa. I mean, if you've got anything that's got nuttiness or and nothing that's too sweet, I think it would be okay, as well. But we're getting we're getting toward the. The Thanksgiving season, so I started. Did you try about the that. the grappa with the hazelnut? I did not, but I have a feeling it would go quite well. I think well. that would go well. 
I think it would go quite well. That nuttiness just gives it some earthiness. Well, all right, Dad. So how about best on plate? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so let's start with the grappa. What was best on the grappa plate? I think the pistachio macarons. That was that. Was, those were very good. Those were uh, the other two were very good. Right. And so it was a toss. I mean, it was a three-way tie almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the but the pistachio and the grape grappa, they seem to be really, really, really. Yeah, for me, I really liked the cannoli, the mm-hmm. the chocolatiness, because the inside of the shell was lined with chocolate on this one as well. Mm-hmm. But you get that good flavor, and then you take another bite of the cannoli, and it would refresh your mouth to go back to it. I think mm-hmm. that play was really, really fun for me. But the best, like you said, they were all really good. The least good was the tiramisu, and I think it was the coffee. I, bitterness. I, I think there was something about the coffee and the mm-hmm. coffee and the cookie right. just didn't quite go like I kind of thought it was going to. Right. All right. What about on your plate with the Nocino? Well, I'm having I have it a struggle. I had more than <laughs> well, I had more than our normal three. So right. let's just put it this way: the meat. Oh yeah. And the Nocino. Mm-hmm. I think we're lights out. And the pancetta, I think, like you said, the saltiness yeah. was really the best. You know, I think if I could, the pancetta, I think, was my favorite. But I think it would be really interesting to take the fat that was left over from rendering out that pancetta and toast up the hazelnuts and kind of toast them and fry them in that fat. Dang, I think I, that would be, an, I think that would be an interesting play to see because the, the hazelnuts were really, really, really good. With it as well, but that that extra bit of salt something we're used to. No, not here. At least not. I mean, you might get a hazelnut crusted salmon or trout, or you might have hazelnut coffee, or you might have right Nutella. Just to eat straight hazelnuts is Mm -hmm. not something we do. Right, but I I think that would those were kind of my top two, and I think if there was a way to combine them, that would be really good. All right, all right. Well, are you ready for the blind? So who's blinding? Am I blinding or cuz I brought something to blind you if you want if you're feeling like you want to blind, but I'm up for it if you want to blind me. I'll go for it. Okay? I mean, you've been blinding while I was gone. All right. So, uh we'll go ahead and get that poured up. All right. All right. So we've got it poured up for you, dad. Now, just like I told with the boys when they were on, you know, just do your best, talk about what it tastes like and just get down to type as far as, as far as I'm asking you to get to. All right. So make sure, give it a describe for everybody who's listening. All right. It's got a golden brown color. It's got a meniscus clear out to the edge. It's got uh, pretty good little legs, okay. which give an indication of the alcohol. So it's a could be a whiskey, it could be a rum. You never know what it is till you kind of give it a sniff. Yep. So what are you smelling while you in that glass? Hmm. Got some good floral. I don't get. Uh, I don't get any smoke. Okay. I'm not xing out scotch yet because I hadn't tasted it. 
need to clean my palate a little more. But there's definitely no like jump of peat or anything or heat like it could be at age mezcal or mezcal or anything like that. No, I don't think so. Okay. Anything else you're smelling before you give it a taste? You said floral. Just, you know, it's just floral. I don't, I don't smell any molasses or anything like that yet. Okay. So let's say it's rum-based, but I'm going to have to give it a taste to find out more about it. Okay. Mm. Mm. It's got some good alcohol. Kind of gave me a little zing there. Okay. What about flavors? What are you tasting? Again, I'm not, not tasting smoke. I'm not really tasting. Um, it could be a higher end rum. Okay. Because it's kind of got that, that really sweet aged taste. Um, maybe a sherry cast to it. Okay, so focus on what you're tasting, not quite what you think it is yet. Because you don't want to guide yourself down a path. Okay, I don't want to guide myself down a path. I still got that Nochino in my mouth. Can't help that, right? It lingers. So what what are you tasting there? So I... Is it sweet? Is it spicy? Is it hot? Is it cereally? So the alcohol seems to be hot because I get a little hotness on my tongue. Okay. I get a little spice. Okay. Get some sweetness as well. Okay. So cereally, is it grainy? Grainy? Is it sweet? Uh, Salty? No. Okay. Smoky? No. Is it like grapey, apple-y, any of those? I'm not getting apple or any any of those uh, stone fruit kind of things either. Okay, so let's take a sip and then let's let's start figuring out what it is. Just drink it normal. See if you can. Sometimes sometimes you can you can overstress your palate and sometimes you just need to take a take a drink. Sip, huh? Yep, just take a normal drink of it. So first of all, as you take the drink, do you like it? Yes, I like it. Okay, so we know it's not gin. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we can we can throw out gin. <laughs> We can throw out vodka. We, we can, can throw, throw out, out tequila. We can throw out Nochino. It definitely, <laughs> from the way you're describing it, it's not a liqueur because it's not sweet. No, it's not coating no. on the palate. You talked about there being alcohol. I think we can throw out cognac. Okay. We can throw out any other brandies, brandies or, or things like that. that. So we're down to, in the aged spirit world, we're down to whiskeys. We're down to rums. We're down to tequilas. Mm, I don't think it's tequila. Okay. So then we're down to whiskeys and rums. I think we're down to whiskey and rums. Okay. So what do you think it tastes like? Does it taste like a whiskey? Or does it taste like a rum? Well, it's not Bacardi white rum. If it's a if it's a rum, it's like a Domenico that gives you a lot of different Okay. Aged flavor. Okay. And it's got the color that it could be that. Okay. But it's also, I don't think it's like a maker's mark. Whoa, you just totally jumped. I'm, well, I'm just saying. Okay, so. So I'm going back to your, your podcast of high end, low end. 
Okay. So stop stop there for a second and decide. Is this a whiskey or is it a rum? Does this taste like any whiskey you've ever had before? Or does it taste like uh, possibly a rum that you could have had before? I don't think this is a rum. Okay, so you so think it's a whiskey. down to a whiskey. Okay. What? So you think it's a whiskey. Do you think it's a... Do you want to go any farther than that? Do you think it's a bourbon? Do you think it's a, a rye? Do you think it's a scotch? Canadian whiskey? You can just leave it at whiskey, because this is one of the first times that you've t- blinded a, a liquor. I think it's a whiskey. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb. Oh, okay. I don't think it's a rye. Okay. So I think it's a bourbon. Okay. And I know... I don't think it's Blanton's. Okay. So you think so, it's just kind of a mid, mid-range mid bourbon? Or are you going to go even farther than that? I don't... You don't have to. You I can stop know. you can stop wherever you feel comfortable stopping. I'm gonna stop there. Okay. So I think it, I, you think it's a bourbon. I think it's a bourbon. And that's where you're gonna stop. I think it's yeah. A whiskey. Okay. I think it's a bourbon. All right. Well, you're gonna have to not come back next week, but you gotta come back in two weeks to find out what dad was drinking and if he was right or if he was wrong. Because next week is a cocktail week. And so I'm actually going to be, I won't be around for this cocktail episode, most likely. So, Dad, what's going on in the cocktail episode? Well, I'm thinking it hasn't been established yet because I'm trying to get a guess. And I'm thinking, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. And that whole season of the fall is coming up. So I'm thinking I might be doing fall spiced whiskey sour okay a fall spiced whiskey sour now that could be a bourbon or it could be a scotch okay so doing kind of fall whiskey fall whiskey sours well that's what i might do but it might just be it's fall we're doing fall 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 cocktails fall cocktails well that'll be that'll be lots of fun that could open up a whole lot of apple cider and that kind of stuff yeah well, that sounds like it'll be lots of fun, and then, you know, I hope if you get the guest, if not, maybe I'll, maybe I'll jump back on for the episode. But this, Dad, this was great. I appreciate you bringing back these liquors, because they were, they were both very, very good. Surprisingly, huh? Yeah, and, you know, it was a, it's a great little podcast. So, well, as always, we appreciate y'all sticking in there with us, and if you like what we're doing, give us a follow, a like, a star on your favorite podcast platform. We love seeing the reviews that you send us. We just appreciate y'all's support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we're most active on Instagram. Follow our stories. That's kind of where we post what we're doing each week. And this has just been a whole whole lot of fun. And if I gave you a podcast card and you're in Italy, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. If you feel like reaching out to us by sending us an email and chatting, we are acquiredtastings at gmail.com. But, you know, it's another another successful podcast, Dad, wouldn't right, you say? That's right. I think so. All right. Well, once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.